We are in our series on Acts. We are in Acts 5. We are continuing our sermon series called Building Upon a Firm Foundation, which is the second part of, we started in Luke. Luke is the first book of a two-book series. Luke and Acts go together. Luke is the first piece, Building a Firm Foundation, where we start with Jesus's works, and then we go into Acts, where we look at what the apostles did after Jesus leaves. And we look at how their action teach us as a church and us as individuals how it is we should continue to live as a church and as humans who have dedicated their lives to Christ or are considering dedicating their lives to Christ. So we're going to be in Acts 5 today, verses 12 through 21. We're going to be considering what this new life is. We'll see where that comes from in just a few minutes. Verses, five, verses 12 through 21, you can read in your scripture, in your Bible, or on the screen behind you, or in your bulletin. Verse 12 says this, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed." Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them into public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God indeed. The song that Kyle sang for us is one that hits straight to the heart for many of us. You say I am loved. God says I am loved. But I feel, I feel different. And why is it that we feel so differently even though we are called loved, we are named loved, we are creatures created in the image of a God who is love? You say, I am loved. And when I look in the mirror, what I see is anything but love sometimes. What I see is something that doesn't measure up. What I see is somebody who has failed. What I see is somebody who won't be accepted somebody who isn't part of the group, somebody who hasn't made the grade. 
That's what I see. And I think that's what lots of people see when they look in the mirror. And I think that's one of the reasons why this song by Lauren Daigle is so incredibly powerful and why so many people feel it so deeply inside of them. And I think the reason why so many of us look in the mirror and see failure, see shame, see hurt, see outsider, is because we, for some reason, have chosen or have We have chosen not to live into our identity as children of God and instead have found ourselves living into our identities of children of this culture. You see, when we look in the mirror, what we see is somebody our age, somebody who looks like us, who doesn't fit in with people around us, Instead of, this is Alyssa, created by God, loved by God, empowered by God. But what I see instead is, this is Alyssa, who is so many years old, who should have, could have, might have been able to achieve all of these things, if only. Because you know what the world tells us? The world tells us that we are the authors of our own lives. The world tells us if we try hard enough, if we do things at an extreme level, we can achieve anything, right? Because we're Americans and in America, anything's possible. We love the story of the underdog, the one who comes from nothing and makes millions of dollars. And that's possible, we're told, for anybody in this room, in that room, for the people across the street, for the people in a state far away from us. And if it happened for them, it can happen for us too. And if it, happened, if it hasn't happened for us too, guess whose fault it is? It's my fault. I haven't worked hard enough. I haven't wanted it enough. I haven't sacrificed enough. I haven't gotten up early enough. I haven't stayed up late enough. I haven't gone to the right schools. I haven't studied hard enough. I'm not smart enough, apparently, to do that. Because I'm the author of my own life. And if I don't look the way I want to look, well, that's my fault, too. If I look in the mirror and I don't like what's reflected back at me, I have the power to change that, apparently. Because I'm the author of my own life. And so when we feel that shame and when we feel that powerlessness when we're looking in a mirror and when we feel like we haven't made it and when we feel the anxiety of the world around us pushing on us, well, that's just our fault. Because we're the authors of our own lives. Everything's in our power. We live in America. Anything we want is at the tips of our fingertips. If we just want it, enough. That's the culture we live in. That's what we're taught. From the youngest of ages, 
That's what we're taught. That's what our kids are taught. That's what our grandchildren are taught. So is it any wonder then that when we hear a song that tells us that we're loved, but responds with the echo that I'm weak, we respond to it. In this scripture that we see here today, we see a culture culturally different than us, but struggling similarly to us. In this scripture, we see people bringing their friends, bringing themselves to the apostles to be healed. These people, this group, the Israelites, are a culture who have been waiting for hundreds upon hundreds of years for the oppression, for this power that they feel pushing against them to end. You and I have had power pressing against us since the day that we were born. We have had a culture dictating to us who we should be, how we should live, what we should look like, how much money we should have, what kind of cars, what kind of houses, what kind of relationships. And if we don't have those things, we're told we should feel badly, we should feel shameful, we should be working towards having those things. Because if we don't, we don't measure up. Because if we don't, we don't matter. It's why there's so much brokenness and division in this world today. And in this culture, in the Israelite culture, they had religious pressure. They had pressure telling them every day that they needed to be a certain way, that they needed to live a certain way, and that in order to be holy, in order to be um, forgiven, in order to be loved, that they had to sacrifice a certain way, and that they had to go to a priest and be forgiven. Not only that, they had foreign governments leading them. We don't have that here today, but we have a foreign culture telling us how we're supposed to live today. But they had foreign governments constantly taking over their lives. And so for hundreds of years, they've been hoping for this Messiah to come, and he finally came, and they missed it. They missed it. Most of them completely missed this Messiah that they've been told forever. Most of this scripture is talking about the coming of a Messiah. It's pointing to the coming of the Messiah, the one who would free them from all of this oppression, the one who would tell them that everything is going to be okay, the one that would take them into the promised land where there's freedom from sin, where there's freedom from oppression, where there's freedom from hopelessness. Yet when he finally came, they missed it. They completely missed it. And so here, finally, in this scripture, all of a sudden, people are starting to get it. They're starting to realize Jesus was the one. They're starting to see there is hope. They're starting to attach to this understanding that the resurrected Jesus is the place where I'm supposed to put my hope in my life. That he came, that he's here, that there is a hope, that there is a new life to be found that I don't have to live in the same cycle of darkness anymore. That there's a new way to do things. 
And so what happens? So we talked last week. Last week, we found Peter and John being taken to prison because they were telling about the good news of Jesus. Well, guess what? The same exact thing happens this week. They're out there telling about the good news of Jesus. The, the leaders of the um, religious elite say, this is bad news. They're at it again, and they take them to jail. And the angel comes and takes them out of jail because the good news needs to be spread. The good news cannot be stopped because there's too many people like you and I out there that desperately need to know that there's more to life than this. That the cycle of darkness has to end and it can end because Jesus is real and his life meant something for you and for me. So the angel lets them out of jail and the angel says specifically to them, go now and tell them about this new life. This new life. What is this new life? What is this new life? The Israelites had a religious culture that they lived under that they thought brought them life and happiness, that they thought would connect them with God. But what the apostles, what the disciples were telling them is that that is not the connection to God. That is not the way to happiness. That is not the way to wholeness. That that actually leads to oppression. The new life, the new way is through Jesus. And that through Jesus is that only way that we find freedom. Is the only way that we find peace that passes understanding, is the only way that we find unity in a world full of division. It is the only way we experience love, love of others and love of ourselves. This new life can only be found in the person of Jesus. And we have the same message. There's two cultural systems that we live in here too. We have the way of the world, and then we have the way of Jesus. And whether you are a brand new believer or somebody who's trying to feel out whether or not you wanna choose believing, or you have been in church since you are a baby and you have believed since you were a baby, you are forced to choose every day which one of these systems you're going to be pulling your power from? Are you going to be living out of the power that tells you that you are the author of your own life, that you have to go it alone, and that everything comes out of your own power? That if you want it, you can make it happen? Or are you going to choose to live under the authority of God? Because under the authority of God, guess what? Jesus is the author of your life not you. When we accept Christ into our life, we realize that we aren't in charge. When we accept Christ into our life, we realize that we don't have to decide everything ourselves, that we don't have to make every decision on our own. We realize that we're not in this world by ourselves, that we have a partner that we get to do this with every day. And so that when we're out there making these decisions, trying to build a life that matters, trying to build something 
We're not trying to make these decisions on our own. We have Jesus who's guiding the way, who's leading us in the right direction, who ultimately will always get us to the place we're supposed to go. But when we're trying to do it on our own, we're following the way of the world. We're following the wisdom of the world, which, yeah, may lead you to some money and may lead you to some power and may lead you to status and success, but is there richness there? Is there peace there? Is there happiness there? Is there joy there? Or is there an unending cycle of wanting and needing and achieving? A place where you can never rest, a place where there's always anxiety, a place where there's always more to be gotten. Because over here, in the place where we surrender to Jesus, we don't have to be in control. We just surrender daily and follow the guide. And we get to be at peace every moment of every day of our lives, knowing that all we have to do is follow. All we have to do is say yes. And everything, everything, including our identity, flows down from God to us. So that way, when we look in the mirror, instead of seeing failure, instead of seeing I don't measure up, instead of seeing I haven't done everything that I'm supposed to do, instead of seeing I don't fit in, instead of seeing this world does not care about me, what I see over here is I'm loved. I'm a child of God. I matter simply because I'm God's. I matter simply because I'm alive, because I'm created. I am good enough. And the only way to live over here, no matter how far along in your Christian journey you are, if you are seeking you do this. If you are a hundred years old and you've been following Jesus every day of your life, you still do this. The only way to live in this world of Christ is to get up every day, every day, and surrender intentionally your life to Jesus. You get up and you say, Jesus, I give you myself today. Show me where I should be spending my money. Show me where I should be spending my time. Show me how to love well today, both myself and both others. And then you follow where Jesus leads you, but you have to surrender every day. And you have to surrender everything, not just the things that are easy to surrender. It makes me think about the rich young ruler in Matthew who went to Jesus and said, Jesus, Jesus, I know all of the rules. I am doing everything you told me to do. I am following you. I'm doing it right. But Jesus said, my son, I want you to go and sell all of your property. And Jesus wasn't telling us to go do that. Jesus was telling him to go do that because that was the one thing that he wasn't willing to give up. And every morning, we need to be asking ourselves, what is the thing, what are the things that I'm not willing to give up? What are the things that I'm holding back in my relationship with Jesus? 
We all have them. Some of us are not willing to give up habits that are getting in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Some of us like to spend more money than we should. And we aren't willing to give that over because it brings us comfort. It's part of this human nature that we have. It has this psychological thing. If we spend, it feels good. It's a comfort. And I, don't, and I can't give that up. For others, it's our eating habits. I can't give this up because it brings me comfort. For others, it's, it's a pain and it's a hurt and it's an unforgiveness and I'm not going to give up this pain and hurt. And I cannot give up this unforgiveness, Jesus. I cannot do it because I am right to be this mad. I am right to be this angry because that hurt is real and I'm going to carry it with me and I cannot give it to you. And it gets in the way of our relationship and it gets in the way of Jesus being able to refine us and to mold us and to make us into the creations that we're supposed to be. But we have to surrender all of it, every bit of it, every inch of who we are. We need to tack onto that cross every morning so that we can be free, free to be led, free to grow, free to love ourselves, and free to love others, and free to love God. In this scripture, you see people finally getting it, finally getting that Jesus is the one who has the answer, that Jesus is the only answer. And you see people coming on their sick beds. You see friends bringing their ill friends just so that they could have the, the, the shadow of Peter cover them. And I want to ask us, if we're not that hungry for Jesus's presence, why aren't we? Every one of us in this place today should be that hungry for the presence of Jesus in our lives, that we would have a friend carry us into the presence of Jesus, that we would have a friend walk with us hand in hand to the one who could help us, to the one who could grow us, to the one who would love us well, because there's only one who could show us how worthy we are, and that's Jesus. This world is full of shame and guilt and anxiety. It's full of levels of performance that nobody can achieve. Because every time you achieve it, another bar is set. But the life with Christ is full of peace and patience and love. And that's the world you're created for. Can you imagine what the world would look like if every one of us decided each day to wake up and intentionally surrender to our creator instead of to culture? How much we would be transformed, how much our communities would be transformed, how much this one church would be transformed. Let us pray.
God, I thank you so much for loving us enough to accept our surrender daily. Because this world pulls at us every day, and you know that. And you know we're not going to be perfect. And you accept our surrender. And God, I pray that you make us brave enough to wake up daily and to surrender to you. In humility and in hope and in love. Refine us. Show us who we are in your image. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.